Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Well, we want to encourage you. You saw just a video of just a few of our small groups. We want to encourage you to find one of those that works for you. There's a table back there that has a bunch of groups. Some of them are weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. Uh, some of them are daytime. Some of them are evening. Uh, we just know that one size doesn't fit all. But if you find one of those that works, it's, it will be a blessing. It will transform your life. Every time people say to me, Jay, I just I didn't feel like signing up for one, but then I finally did it, and it was just like, it just transformed. It was good. And so I want to encourage you, push past that, uh, maybe, I don't know what it is, the holdbacks, the fear, or maybe just unsure, or, or thinking you're too busy, and I want to encourage you, if you prioritize, it, it will be a blessing in your life. Well, we started a series last week looking at the idea of uh, letters to your younger self. And so earlier this year, I did a funeral for a guy, and I thought it was so cool that he had written a letter to his younger self and, and um, before he passed away, and, and then it was photocopied and distributed to all the grandkids, and I thought it was such a cool, uh, it, it was such a neat uh, expression of, you know, wisdom gleaned over the years, and I thought to myself, what would I say to my younger self now? Like, if I, if I could say, Jason you know, to my 13-year-old self or 16 or 18 or 22-year-old or 30-year-old self, what would I say to my younger self? And what would I tell myself to focus on more, some things to avoid? And, and as you begin to do that, it actually helps you to live your life now with wisdom about you. And last week, we looked at the idea of prioritizing our relationships and just saying, you know what, if I could tell myself something, uh, my younger self something, it's just how key is, is, is taking the time to prioritize relationships and, and life around oneself. It says in the book of Ephesians, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but instead live like wise, making the most of a, out of every opportunity. Why? Because these are evil days that we live in. And so how do we live with wisdom over ourselves? Well, if you're going to make a note to your younger self, and I did some uh, checking and research on this and interviewed a bunch of you and just asked, you know, what would you tell your younger self? And, and relationships was, was number one. And then another constant theme when I was talking with people is the idea of living content or living with thanksgiving over one's life. This weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, it's, it's, it's a great weekend out of the year. It's, you know, everyone goes to Rockton Fair, and it's amazing. Uh, last night, I had Thanksgiving dinner with the family, and whoo, so good. And then today, right after church, I go for round two uh, at my family. And then tomorrow, I go for round three. Awesome. So good. And some of you are like, he looks like he has three Thanksgiving dinners all the time. <laughs> But learning to live with a, a level of thanksgiving, I believe it leads to a fuller life. I believe that actually when you take time to be thankful now, it actually opens doors to life to the full. And it leads to a greater sense of, of fulfillment, enjoyment, so many different things. And so this morning I'm going to look at this idea of, of living the thankful life. But before we get into it, we always get you talking a little bit, get you connecting one with another. And so... 
I want you to come up with, and so this is a brainstorming kind of uh, one. According to Time Magazine, they had an article uh, a year and a bit ago, and in their article it was about the top 10 things people said that if they had this, they would be totally content in life. What are the top 10 things people said? If, if I just had all of these in good form, I would be fully content, fully thankful. 30 seconds, try and come up with as many as you can. Go. Okay, time's up this morning. See, I did on our little quiz. Okay, now I know that these are somewhat broad areas, so you can interpret whether your answer is correct or not. We'll give you some freedom this morning. Okay, number 10, enjoyable food and beverage. Enjoyable food and beverage, always good. Um, number nine, educational achievement. So the, to get a level of education. Uh, number three, I thought this was interesting wording on it. Fulfilling consistent sex. So fulfilling consistent sex. Um, number seven, time and resource to pursue recreational activities. So time and resource for recreational activities. Number six, a good job. Number five, a nice house. Number four, family with successful kids. Uh, number three, fulfilling friendships and friends. Number two, uh, physical health and being healthy physically. And number one, a sense of peace and security. Sense of peace and security. Okay, so see how you did on our little quiz. How many people got at least two of those? See, if you didn't get two, wow, I don't know. Uh, how many got four, six, seven, eight? How many did you guys get? How many did you guys get? Give a hand to all of our tables that... Uh, Nailed it. So here's what I want you to do just before we look forward. We're talking about Thanksgiving. This is just a good opportunity to take a moment and say, what are some areas of your life that you just want to say, you know what, these are areas that I'm really thankful for, uh, areas over my life that just I've been blessed, and I just want to say thanks be to God. Take a few seconds, and just with the people around you, what are some things that you're, you're very thankful for in your life? Go. Things you're thankful for. It's, uh, it's amazing how sometimes you can feel so defeated and so like, oh, nothing goes my way. And then all of a sudden when you take a moment to count your blessings or think about what you're thankful for, it's like, oh, things aren't so bad after all. And every once in a while when I get like mopey, Carlos like, Jason, think about what you're thankful for. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And, you know, and how it transforms, how it changes us when we begin to focus and we begin to... Uh, put intentionality around living thankful lives. A year ago, as crazy as uh, the politics is to the south of us in the United States, and we won't get into that this morning, trust me, but uh, there was a congressman from Tennessee, and he put forward a bill uh, in the U.S., and obviously their Thanksgiving is later than ours, and it happens, you know, on the Thursday, and then we have Black Friday after, and so he said, I want to put a bill to, to, together uh, that on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we're going to call it complaint-free day in the United States, and so he put this, this bill towards, and it, he wrote this. He said, from time to time, we all experience anxiety, frustration, stress, and regret, and often we respond to these feelings with criticism or complaint. Regrettably, complaining keeps people stuck on their current problems, inhibiting them from thinking constructively to find solutions. And he put it on the table, and his bill was soundly defeated. And um, it's hard to mandate thankfulness. 
It's hard to mandate people to say, you know what, you should be thankful. And it's really a condition of our heart. And it's really uh, dialing in saying, okay, God, we are actually going to live intentionally thankful in our lives. And, and we're going to focus on this in our journey and in our lives. Living thankful leads to a life-giving life, I believe. I believe it opens the door to life to the full that God has for us. And so uh, this morning I want to look at a passage, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. And we read this story, and I've looked at it in a few different ways before, but, but living content. And so we read this story uh, just to set the context for you. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, have been just in the Exodus moment. And so they've been enslaved by the Egyptians for literally centuries They've been enslaved and been abused and beaten and taken advantage of, and they've lived as full slaves. In fact, their generation knows nothing other than this. There's never been someone that had lived free. They'd all lived their lives enslaved. And so they come to a spot where God supernaturally, like miracle, like Prince of Egypt, cross, whoosh, amazing moment of God's provision over their lives. And we pick up the story, and you would think a people like that would be like, wow, we are thankful. But how easy it is to forget the blessings and focus on the wants in life. In Numbers 11, it says, starting in verse 4, it says, the foreign rabble who were traveling, I like this word, the foreign rabble. In other words, there's these ones who aren't Jews with them that just kind of joined along in ragtag uh, fashion with the group that was traveling. And and it says they began to crave. It says that they had intense cravings. Be careful of what you crave. They had intense cravings over the good things of Egypt. Now, this is kind of a paradox. So in Egypt, they'd been abused, they'd been beaten, they'd been taken advantage of. And it said that they began to have these, these cravings. And it said that the people of Israel began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they explain. We remember back in Egypt, and in Egypt, we had all these good things. And it's interesting what they remember. They're like, we had leeks and melons and garlic. I'm like, if you're thinking about like great things, garlic and leeks, seriously? That's the best of what you had? Honestly. And so they're like, oh, oh, if we only had, if we only had... And they begin to get these cravings for what they don't have now. Now, God had been supplying manna to them every single day, uh, had been giving it to them free. And, and so they goes in to talk, talk a little bit about what this manna was. It was like uh, these seeds that they ground up and, and they would make this sweet bread out of it. And, it. and every morning, every morning, they would come out and God just, it was a supernatural miracle. And the first day it happened, they were like, Wow, this is amazing. And so they would have these, these moments where every single morning they would go and there would be enough for the day. They would go out and it would just it would supply all of their needs. And every single day, the miracle would happen day after 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 day. And eventually they began to just take it for granted. And so many times the miracle things God does in our lives, when he continues to do them, sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes we... Don't look at it in the right eyes. And they began to complain, and they began to get whiny. In verse 10, it says, Moses heard the family standing at the doorways of their tents whining. You get this picture. They're there, and they're like, oh, 
Can you believe manna again? Seriously. And they began to whine and they began to complain. And it said that Moses, it says he grew extremely frustrated. He was ticked. And Moses went before the Lord. And Moses, uh, as he got before God and, and said, God, what, what do I do with these people? And, and the Lord says, prepare yourselves because tomorrow I am going to bring meat. Tomorrow they are going to get so much meat. And this is a question for me. Sometimes this is a scary verse because it says that the Lord responded to their need. He said, okay, that's what you want. You're going to get it. But he said, you're going to get so much meat that you're going to eat it not for one, not for two, not for three, but for a whole month. You're going to get so much meat that it's going to come out your nostrils. Yeek! And so it said that the Lord caused this wind to blow and brought in quail. I don't know how many of you have eaten uh, quail before. That's okay. It's like Swiss chalet kind of. And so <laughs> the Lord brought in this huge, huge breeze of Swiss chalet. And, and it said that they were like, uh, they were just freaking out. And they, they started gathering. They couldn't even gather enough in their hands. And they were like, quarter chicken dinner, quarter chicken dinner. Whoa. And as they pulled it all together and they grabbed it all together, they began to gluttonize and they began to just indulge. And it said that the Lord's anger burned against them for their attitudes and for their heart. What do we learn from this story? A people that were so blessed, a people that had so much, a people that had been given so much and yet failed to really appreciate that. In Numbers eleven thirty three, it says, well... The meat was still between their teeth. The Lord's anger was aroused. How do we live with thankful lives? I don't want to arouse the anger of my God because I fail to recognize the blessings and the miracles over my life. Proverbs 14, 3 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy or, or lack of contentment in our lives, it actually rots the bones. That when we live our lives, it says, you know, w without this contentment, it actually, it rots us. It, 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 it's toxic to our being. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things, but instead be relaxed with what you have. Don't live your lives constantly in mode to like, I got to get more, I got to get more, I got to get more. But instead it says, walk with a peace about you. Ecclesiastes 5, 19, it says, when God gives any man the ability uh, to have wealth and possessions and enables them to enjoy them, this is a gift from God. This is Solomon and he's speaking and he's saying, everything is futile, everything is futile. But, but when God actually blesses you, and I want to tell you, even the poorest amongst us here, ratio-wise around the world, are like in the top, top percentile. We're so blessed. And when God's blessed us, and, and we need to take a moment and say, wow, that is a gift of God over our lives. Philippians, in a famous chapter talking about contentment. This is the Apostle Paul, and, and you got to understand the circumstance where he writes this. And so Paul has been in prison, falsely accused. He's, he's been beaten, he's abused because of his faith in Christ, and they've trumped up charges on him. And he's writing to this group in Philippi. And this group in Philippi has given him a financial gift. And he's, he's writing back to say thank you. And he's, he's writing back to say how blessed he is. And as he writes this note and he speaks thanks, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. But he said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances 
I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Here's Paul saying, hey, I've had moments in my life where he was, he was like a top official. Like he had, he had financial wealth. He had power, prestige. He had the whole deal. And now as he sits imprisoned uh, falsely, he says, listen, I, I know what it is to be content. It doesn't matter about the externals. It doesn't matter what happens to me. It really matters about where my heart is. And that's what changes contentment in my life. So how do we live contented? Here's a few signs of discontentment in your life. So just do a little inventory for yourself. Uh, number one, if, we, if, if we're, if we're going to live life to the full, we have to live thankful. But here's some signs of discontentment real quick. Number one, we shop with no money. We're embarrassed of things or items that we have. We start putting our possessions before people in our lives. We find ourselves trying to keep up with our friends, relatives, or what our neighbors have. We find ourselves jealous of what others have. We don't use the things we buy. We're spending more than we make. We have feelings of, if only I would be happy. We look at our friends or our jobs or our ministries as stepping stones. The things that once made us happy no longer do. Do a little assessment of yourself. Am I living contented or am I living discontent in my life? Some secrets of contentment that will help us to live life to the full when we live with the thanksgiving over our lives that I see from this story from the people of Israel and the mistakes that they made in discontentment. Number one, if we're going to live content over our lives, if we're going to live lives to the full, uh, number one is we have to keep looking forward. It's interesting, the first mistake I think the people of Israel made in this, this is they said, oh, remember what it was like back in Egypt? Revisionist history. And so many times there is revisionist history that goes on. Like they failed to think, wow, do you remember how we were abused? Do you remember how they killed our children? Do you remember how they like constantly enslaved us? Oh, but those leeks. Oh, that garlic, woo! And I want to tell you in life, when you begin to pine for days that were, discontentment roots will come in. When you begin to say, oh, you know, it was so much better before. It was so great before. And you fail to look forward. I've seen churches do this many times. I actually did a consulting thing for one church. And they said, you know, we've been constantly through youth pastors. And we just, we haven't had this success there. And, and so I went into their church and I was chatting with them. And they had this, the, this youth pastor that had done great things years ago. They had like a little mini shrine almost built to him. And it was like his picture in bold. And, it, and they compared every single person that came to what was there before. And everybody else that had come in was sunk immediately because they opined for the days that were, you know. And they couldn't move forward because they were constantly discontent because their, their eyes were in the rearview mirror of what used to be. So many times, some of you, I've met people that, that live off of what used to be. You know, some are still in high school and reliving the glory days of being the football-like hero at high school. And it's like, come on. You're 57 years old. Move on. <laughs> You're not going to make the show. <laughs> Look forward. 
The other thing is looking back, we can also look beside us. And notice it was the rabble. It was, it was ones who came in and they said, oh, you Israelites should have this. I want to tell you when you look beside, in other words, when you start comparing, comparing will always lead to discontentment in your life. When you begin to look and say, oh, what does my neighbor have? What does my brother have? What, is my, what does this guy have and that guy have? It will constantly just breed a discontentment. Because I want to tell you, you'll always find somebody that has more and better and bigger and best than you. But when you look forward and say, okay, God, what do you have for me ahead? It breeds contentment in our lives. It says, God, okay, I'm on a track. I'm on a journey. This week I was talking to a guy and he was telling me about his coworker and he's like, oh, I've got this coworker and, you know, he just has everything. He's got good looks and he's, he dresses right and he's so smart and, you know, and he, he's like, he played like professional hockey when he was growing up and his wife is gorgeous and he's like, I hate him. And I was like, dude. Quit looking around. Start focusing on going ahead in your job. You're constantly focusing on this guy, and it's stealing away your joy, and you're probably a crappier employee as a result. Look forward. People of Israel, if they would have just reminded themselves, you know what? God's guiding us every day by a cloud and by a pillar of fire at night. And he's taking us to the promised land, the land that's promised, milk and honey, the Goshen that God's going to bring to us. If we just focus on that, what's God calling you to look forward to in life? What destiny does he have over your life? What direction does he have? Focus on the journey. See, forward-thinking people, it requires creativity in life. And I want to tell you, complainers are never creative people. People that spend their lives complaining are the least creative people you'll ever meet. Begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to look forward. I'm going to go ahead with what you have in store for my life. Secondly, count your blessings. Look forward, count your blessings. The people of Israel forgot how blessed they were to have the manna. They forgot how easy it came, how plentiful it was, how nutritious it was, how, how easily obtainable it was. If they would have just said, whoa, we are crazy blessed. If every morning they would have just taken a second and said, look at this miracle. Can you believe what we're experiencing? Then the whining around the tents at night probably wouldn't have happened quite the same. I want to tell you in your life how important it is to count your blessings, to inventory blessings. This fall season is uh, my dad's store growing up, and he was bugging me this week. He's like, oh, you need to come back and help me for inventory. And oh. and he has a hardware store, so it's like counting nuts and bolts and two-by-fours and uh, shingles, and it's just like the worst job ever. But it's so important for assessing where you're at. If you don't do an inventory every year, then you don't know whether you really made money or didn't make money at the end of the year. You, you, inventory is essential. And likewise to our lives, inventory and counting our blessings is essential to understanding how blessed we really are. Begin to, when you count blessings, you celebrate things. There's so many people that don't celebrate the things which they've been given, and, and it's like they, they, they worry about it getting broken, or it's not the best, or, or whatever. And in fact, begin to celebrate. Begin to understand that the things you have been given in your life are a stewardship. If you began to look at everything in your life and said, okay, God gave me this, and what reason did God give me this? God didn't give you your big house so you could show off to the neighbors. God gave you your big house so that maybe you could open it up and bless others. 
God gave you, you know, your great car, not so that you can, you know, be the big dog and roll in, but actually it's to bless others. And if you began to see and, and count the blessings in your lives and understand, wow, it's for stewardship. It's actually given as a trust in my life. Change how you see things. We've been given so much at community, and it's easy to forget how blessed we are. So this week, I remember back when we had no building at community, when we first started, and, and I remember the week, you know, when we, we were like nomads looking for a facility, and it's like, dear Lord, please provide. And I remember when we went to 59 Dundas, and we were there by, by where the Canadian Tire is now. The building's no longer there, but we were in the, the former building, and there was an RV dealership, the other RV dealership built beside of it, and and I remember moving in, and we thought we had the world by the tail. We're like, this is amazing. And, you know, a few weeks in, it was like, it's a furnace. I have to wedge a chunk of wood in to make it work on Sunday mornings. And, you know, there's this thing's falling, and it leaks. And, you know, there's a little burnout mark comes around. You know, just like a little bit of an unusual landmark to build a leak. And you begin to like, and I remember when we came to this facility and it was like, <sighs> you know, a young church plant, just, you know, seven or eight years in the ministry. And it's like, wow, God, we have been blessed beyond compare. This is amazing. We own our own facility. This is so good. And you can think about how blessed you are. And then this week, and I heard that it just happened again, that the toilet shut down. And earlier this week when I had my head in the septic system and I was trying to snake it out and Bruce and I are there up to it, literally. And I'm like, oh, I hate the facility. And I knew what I'm preaching on. The Lord's like, hate the facility. And so Bruce and I, while we're working, I'm like,
the movie Negative Attitude about it, wondering how you end it. If you find yourself in your life in a bad way all the time, do you? And I was like, you know they're fake. What? <laughs> and then they were like, you set us up. And I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> In life, there's always going to be people that hate on everything. There's going to be grumbly people that find one another and hear the people of Israel. Like they'd been, they'd been freed in a supernatural miracle. They'd been blessed every morning, and all they could focus on was the one thing that they wanted that they didn't have. And I want to tell you, be cautious of complaining people. In Philippians 2.14, it says, do everything, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Count your blessings, stop complaining, look forward, and then finally this morning, seek God. See, I believe really the heart of thanksgiving is about understanding that God has blessed us. And it really is a matter of saying, God, I trust you. God, whatever provision over my life, whatever blessing over my life, God, I ultimately say, God, that I trust you with my journey. I trust you with my hand. God, I trust you with what you want to furnish over my life. See, don't understand the, the, the contentment's not complacency. It's not saying, okay, I don't want to go forward. No, but it, it's saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to hold your hand wherever you lead me on the journey. God, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, I won't fear these things. God, I trust you. God, I'm thankful that you are leading me and you are guiding me. When we begin to understand the heart of God it pushes us to more generosity. It pushes us to see our lives as a stewardship principle. It trusts us to know that what God has for us really is best.
It says in Psalm 37, 4, it says, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, if you understand that verse, that when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. See, because when you begin to delight yourself in God, then you begin to understand that your desires will start to match up with his. God knows how you're wired. He knows what you need. And even the little things in life, I'm always amazed at it. So many of you know I love motorcycles and I have for like my whole life. And when I was a little kid, I signed this contract with my parents that I wouldn't get a street bike till I moved out of the house. I was five years old and they kept it forever. <laughs> and they got me a dirt bike if I signed it. I'm like, oh, bait and switch. <laughs> but when I got older, I realized that I, you know, I couldn't afford a bike when I got out of the house. And Carl and I got married and my parents had designed it that way. <laughs> and so I remember thinking, I was like, oh, I want a bike so bad. And Carla said, you should pray about it. And she said, you should just don't whine about it, pray about it. It's good advice, actually, in most things in life. And so I just put a little picture there, and it was my regular prayer thing, and I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't start talking to everybody about, whoa, it's me. I just, it, oh, Carla and I were the only ones, and I just regularly prayed. And at that time, we were pastoring in northern Ontario. I was making, combined income was 13500 a year. We weren't, like, getting rich. And I remember thinking, there is no possible way we're going to have money for, for this. And I remember I went and I was doing this event one time, and, and, and they said, Jay, we're just so thankful that you came to do this. And they gave me $200. Not a ton of money, but for me, it was like the world. And I was like, whoa. And I remember leaving, and Carla said, that's going to be your seed money for a bike. And I was like, seriously, babe? And I remember I was praying as I was driving. I was like feeling like a million bucks. And as I was driving along, this guy was like putting everything on his lawn out at the front. And I came and I stopped. And there's this Honda CB650. It was 1978. It wasn't the most fashionable bike in the whole world. So I asked him, I'm like, hey, what do you want for this bike? And he's like, well, I want $1,200. And I'm like, well, I got 200. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, oh, this is all I got. And he's like, okay, sold. And he sold me the bike, and I was like, <sighs> And I remember taking that bike, and I was just, it, it was like, it was the blessing of God over my life. And I remember taking it and riding it. And then it stopped the charging system stopped working and it broke down and so I, I didn't have any money to fix it and so I, I bought a solar panel from Canadian Tire and I hooked it up to the battery and, and I drove it on solar to charge the battery and <laughs> I was good until a half hour after dark then I was in trouble <laughs> and, and it was like a little MacGyver makeshift but it was like and I was praying God I need another bike and on my last Sunday guess what Somebody gave me a Harley. And then, when it started giving issues, God blessed again and again. Now, why do I say all that? I think sometimes we have this view that God just wants us to live in a, a statistic life that just pushes everything away. And you know what? It says that God knows the desires of your heart when you delight yourself in him. In other words, when you put your hope in him and you trust in him, 
says he's a God that loves you and gives you good gifts. Now, I'm not saying we, we treat him like Sam, but when we delight ourselves in the Lord, the Lord says, those who are faithful with a little, he'll entrust with much more. And when you're, when you're faithful with what he puts into your hand, when you say, okay, God, I'm going to be thankful for this, and I'm going to appreciate it, I'm going to love it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to value what you put into my hands, however small or however little, God says he'll bless you even more. If we could get that principle down, it would change our contentment level. And I want to tell you, so many times I miss it. And Carla reminds me and said, Jay, you're blessed. I'm like, yes, I am. Help me to live like it. The people of Israel, they missed it because they failed to look forward. They failed to count their blessings. They failed to stop complaining. They failed to seek God. What in your life would it look like if this year, if you just begin to say, okay, I'm not going to look beside me and compare. I'm not going to look behind me and pine for other days. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to count my blessings. I'm actually going to physically, Lord, say thank you for how blessed I am. I'm going to shut my mouth and stop complaining and stop whining. And I'm going to seek God. I'm going to trust in him that he actually knows what's best for my life. And his timing is perfect. I believe you'd live life and life to the full. Folks, I want to tell you, I've been disproportionately blessed in my life. Like I constantly look and I'm like, whoa. And God does crazy, crazy things to bless me. And the same God that does that for me will do that for you when you trust in him. This Thanksgiving, let's be a people that live not just as the world does, constantly anxious to get more and more, but instead to say, Lord, let me live with a heart of thanksgiving, moving forward with what you have for us, delighting ourselves in you. Can we pray? Mighty God, we come to you this morning, and God, we just, first of all, as a church, we stop to recognize how blessed we've been. God, we just, wow, we just say thank you. God, we say thank you for the staff which we have here and great pastors. We say thank you, Lord, for, for this facility. We say thank you for great kids and youth. And, and Lord, we say thank you for opportunities in our community that are just unbelievably cool and we just we just we say thank you lord we've been blessed and god as a, as a people lord we look at the nation which we live and we look at the area which we live and it's just god we're just we're we're crazy blessed people lord help us this week to live in light of that lord help us Lord, watch our mouths over grumbling and complaining. Help us to, to consciously count our blessings. Help us to look forward, not, not compare beside or look behind in the rearview mirror, but look forward to what you have for us. And, and ultimately, God, help us to trust you and seek your heart and not just your hand because we know that what you have for us really is best. So God, Lord, help us to be that kind of people that just live life to the full because we live with thanksgiving in you over our family over our kids over our spouses over our work environments over our school over our parents over our stuff 
So we pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thanks for being with us this morning. Here's your homework as you go. This week, for the next four days, I want you to write five things tonight that you're super thankful for. And then tomorrow, I want you to write five more. And the next day, I want you to write five more. And the next day, I want you to write five more. And then I want you to write five more again. And just as you do that, just begin to evaluate, take inventory and say, God, help me to live with a measure of thanksgiving over my life. I believe it'll change you. I really do. Thanks for being with us. Remember, next week we move to the three service times, so 8.30, 10 a.m., 11.30. Be praying about that for us, and, uh, and we'll love to have you as one of those uh, next week as we just, we'll give it a whirl and see how it goes and, uh, and see how God leads us. Thanks for being with us. Go in the grace, the peace, the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have some turkey. Cheer on the Jays. Be blessed. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.